love this podcast, support us by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the link in the episode description to support us now. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hello, Rolando. Hello, Sydney. No, damn it. I keep saying Sydney. Damn it. That's where my voice keeps going. Hello, Nicole. I sound like a smoker. I don't sound like Ghostface at all. I sound like I'm like 80 you years do, old and, and smoke too yes, much. You do sound smokery when you're trying to do your Ghostface <laughs> voice. Uh, Eddie, do you have a Ghostface voice? Can you do one? No. <laughs> He's not Thank even going to try. Thank you, Eddie. Hello, Hello Rolando. Okay. All right. That's not bad. Want to play a bad. game? That's Jigsaw. Oh. Well, they technically do play games, yeah. The trivia game? The trivia game. I guess it's true. Uh, So Jigsaw ripped off Ghostface is what you guys are telling me. Uh, Yeah, but isn't this whole idea is that they had these little nods to other horror movies within this this movie? Yeah, but Ghostface came out before Saw. Yeah, so today we're talking about Scream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Scream. From what year was it? 1996. Damn, so long ago. Yeah, a very long time ago, which uh, I, it's actually kind of astonishing because it feels like only yesterday slasher movies were back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we're talking about Scream and Scream, not Scream 5, it's Scream. Why? Something we'll get into when we start this episode. By the way, I just wanted to complain <laughs> real quick, though. I just want to say what a missed opportunity because they could have done five cream. And, you know, it would have, like, scream. Yeah, but I'm then technically saying. the title would be Five Cream. No, it'd just be stylized as Five Cream, but it'd be Scream. Yeah, technically. But if you were to, like, search it or in paper, it would be Five Cream. Mm, that's fine. Whatever. Whatever. I'm Nicole. And I'm Rolando. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast about unoriginality. Unoriginality. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just sound like a smoker. I guess I could have tried to do it as my go. Hang on, maybe. <laughs> About unoriginality. Nice. Mm-hmm. That, that sounded very vocal flurry. <laughs> uh, vocal fry at the end? Vocal fry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we continue with this week's episode, just a reminder that if you enjoy this podcast and you have, <clears throat> sorry, that if you enjoy this podcast and you have iTunes to f- please find us on iTunes, follow us and give us a ranking as things like this really do help the podcast's audience base grow. Yes, it helps other listeners find us. And uh, you know what? We just want to help this community grow. We want our listeners to grow and like learn from us. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling that great. (laughs) So I might not be my usual self. I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I apologize. And are you not feeling great because you saw scream and you were just like, (laughs) Oh, it ruined me. Yeah. No, I, I definitely blame, uh, the new movie for, no, I don't actually let's well stay tuned to find out how I feel about (laughs) the new scream. Uh, Uh, but yeah, yeah, actually, this year we've been starting this thing where we talk about, like, you know, things that we've been watching and stuff. So, Nicole, have you seen anything interesting in the last week? Well, no, but I actually read something that I feel like is a perfect tie-in with what we're going to be discussing today. 
Um, mm. So actually, I want to go last because it's going to be a good segue. Tell oh, me what you guys have been right. enjoying recently. All right. Ed Easy. Uh, Netflix. Archive 81. Mm. Uh, series just popped up on Netflix. It's like on the top 10 now. It uh, was originally a, a podcast that I used to listen to, like a drama horror a mystery podcast. Mm. Uh, very weird. Um but it was very interesting. And they actually, um, they did a show. And it was actually, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it very much. Archive 81? Archive 81. It's like a slow burn mystery. It's a tad of horror, but it's more like supernatural. I was shocked Ooh. when I saw that James Wan was attached to it. He does The Conjuring, right? Yeah, he does like a lot of those horror movies. Oh, okay. Uh, which was it was an interesting name to see attached to this show, but here we are. I wonder who would play us when our podcast inevitably becomes <laughs> a Netflix original TV show. You know? Yeah, this is true. I wonder if we'll have casting rights. If they'll at least give us that. I mean, yeah, we can. We'll negotiate those terms. You know? Oh, I think I see Anthony Ramos in your future. I okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah. All right. Fine. I'll take it. What about you, Rolando? Oh, isn't that what you you just said for me, Anthony Ramos? No, Wait, you I'm, Anthony I'm, Ramos what have you been you? watching, reading, enjoying? Oh, I thought we were still talking about our our imaginary casting. Uh, what? Oh, so I did see last week uh, Tick Tick Boom. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, not something I would recommend to watch right before. A birthday, as I did, but you know, here I am. Um, it's usually it's funny. Usually, I don't feel like this, like fear of like not mortality, right? But like, as creators, it's just like, what am I creating and stuff? And that's kind of what I was feeling, like that kind of like, oh, I guess I should be out there trying to do work of my own and stuff. So I think that's going to be a goal this year to like stop dreaming it and start doing it again so yeah stay tuned yeah. for that guys now as good as the movie is it just makes you feel lousy most of the time because it's like oh my god i'm older than this character yeah but i, I also have more much. going for myself though than him <laughs> at you know at 36 so oh, <laughs> i'm not that wow. i wasn't that i wasn't that like i heard about it <laughs> you know well i think he was dead by that time but he went and produced uh, created one of the greatest broadway shows ever or at least most famous ones yes yes rent so i think so. he has one up on you uh, just, uh, fine but i'm just saying by the time the movie <laughs> came i wasn't feeling inferior but now you're making me feel inferior so thank you <laughs> i guess I'm so, yes happy birthday rolando um <laughs> well for me i i've been indulging in uh, this book by one of my favorite authors called his name is grady hendrix and he's a huge horror fan and he wrote a book called The Final Girl Support Group. And if you're a horror movie fan, you know that the term final girl refers to movies from uh, women from slasher movies that were the sole survivor at the end of their horror movies. So he envisions a world where all of those movies that came out, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Scream were based on real life events and that these are all actual living final girls who form a support group to help each other. And then of course they slowly start dying and it's like, who's attacking us. And it's interesting because reading that and then seeing this film a lot, a lot was similar. And it's interesting That's because they both kind of play on similar th things, mainly, you know, horror fandom. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and, and it was just, and also there's a character that's based on, um, Cindy Prescott called Julia Campbell, Campbell being Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell, to her. okay. And Cute. the envisionment of who, of what would happen to Sydney Prescott, aka Julia Campbell, was that she ended up being wheelchair bound and also just like became like a political activist and stuff. So that's how he envisioned what would happen to Sydney Prescott in her future. So it's interesting seeing the two versions of what two people think would happen to this character. Um, and of course, we've seen what would happen to Sydney Prescott in four films cinematically. Uh, but who is Pre- Sydney Prescott? Well, if you're listening to this episode, I hope you have an idea of who she is because she's the main character of the movie we're talking about and the franchise we're talking about, which is Scream. And in terms of horror movies and the subgenre slasher movies, are you guys a fan of slasher horror movies? Um, not so much anymore. I I think I was a fan of them when they were coming out and I was like a teenager or a, yeah, yeah, I was like a teenager. I was like still in like, I was still in grammar school for some of those. Uh, I was a fan of them, but I think they eventually lost their shine. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's that. Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s was definitely like a second heyday for the slasher genre. Um, and really it's all because of Scream. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to horror and the history of horror, Around the eight, you know, Halloween came out in 1978, Texas Chainsaw came out in 1974, and of course, after the production code ended, horror had a whole boom because now you could portray violence in a way you never had before. So people were just like, they couldn't do it for so long that they just went all fucking out. (laughs) And they depicted some crazy shit on cinema. Uh, Wes Craven's Last House on the Left in particular is just a crazy movie. And of course, you know, the horror genres, anything that's very successful and has so much, you know, soon soon after it becomes a parody of itself, which is kind of what happened in the 80s, particularly, I think, with Nightmare on Elm Street, which is also Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a very prolific name within the genre because I feel like he was always at least one step ahead or always had his kind of like his hand on the pulse of the genre and what was happening with it. And in 1994, he made a film. He made the seventh installment in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which was called New Nightmare, which is more of a standalone film, but that one was a meta horror film and where Freddy Krueger actually was a, it was a character in a movie and then he kind of came out of the movie and he started terrorizing the people and the cast and the crew of the movie. And it's actually one of the best that we're making the movie. Sorry. It's one of the best Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But of course it was a, it was a total flop. And if you think about horror movies, it's hard for anyone to think of a film from like 1990 to 1995 that they would be like, oh, this is a great horror movie because it was kind of a dying genre at that time. They just weren't making money and people weren't interested in horror. But when Scream came out in 1996, it completely resurrected it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because Scream is kind of a comedy in some ways, you would say it's a horror comedy. But it also, I think it's, it's got it's so a much horror to movie. It. It's a horror movie. It's not a comedy per se. I think it's just it's tongue in cheek. It yeah. knows it. It's a movie that knows it's a movie, and it's also very meta in that way. Yeah. Well, so Scream has a, a cast of characters that they're all aware that they're kind of uh, cliches that exist within horror genre. You know, the Jack and the girlfriend and. And blah, blah, blah. And they're all kind of talking about their lives as if it were a horror movie or like how it would play out. So it's one of the first, it's very postmodern uh, 
idea too to be kind of like aware of your role in a story or in a film or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at once upon a time you just told the story. There was no awareness about the story. Now everyone's hyper aware of the fact that they're all just stories and we're all in media land and we have our life and then there's media land. And Scream was definitely, it just like, it took it in a really clever and comedic way. And it's interesting because what I like so much about the Scream films is that they're also whodunits. So there's that element to it. So you got like some, you got horror, but you also got some comedy. You got this meta hyper awareness and then you got a whodunit at the core of it. I mean, how can you go fucking wrong? Yeah. So, yeah. No, so, yeah. Uh, so, Scream, that was the f- first screenplay, not first written, but the first screenplay to be produced by uh, uh, by screenwriter Kevin Williamson, who is kind of prolific in this kind of 90s horror filmmaking, right? Storytelling. Like, he did Scream, Scream 2. He did I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, teaching Mrs. Tingo. Now that was his first script that he ever wrote. Interestingly enough, uh, oh, wow. kind of a forgettable movie. But he also did one of my. He also wrote one of my favorite films of all time, which is The Faculty. Oh, which he I did have know. spoken about in the past. Yeah. So and I love that film. And uh, he's the other big fame name. The other big famous thing he's done is he was the writer and executive producer of Dawson's Creek. Wow, so he just loves the teens. <laughs> he yeah, he loves teens and stuff. He's also out. He's gay. Oh, just like uh, from uh, Chucky. Yep, just like Don Mancini, American oh. screenwriter. And he also did some writing for uh, the Vampire Diaries. It's it says and the Scream television show. Right. Yeah, he was involved with the Scream TV show that came out between season season uh, film four and the current one. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, he's uh, Kevin Williamson is like kind of a big deal. I don't think his name has as much weight as like you know. Um, I was going to say Steven Sondheim. Yeah, well, what is Craven directed, right? But I'm thinking of like other like Aaron Sorkin. Oh, writers. I'm thinking of writers, right? But yeah. I think Kevin Williamson is very much well known in the horror the horror genre only because of he, he did like produce some of these like very classic or he wrote some of these nineties, like classic horror films, uh, whether or not they're good as to be decided. Right. Because I didn't particularly like teaching Mrs. Tingle. Wasn't that good in my opinion. I haven't seen it though, since it first came out. So who knows, maybe my opinion will change on it, but I know what you did last summer is kind of a hot mess of a movie that makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's another movie. That's actually a franchise that got rebooted. We didn't even covered it because no one talked about the Amazon original series. We were just like, all right, well, let's not waste our time. So for those of us who might not have seen Scream, the summary of the film is actually, and the plot is quite simple. It centers around a bunch of high schoolers in Woodsboro High School. And our main character, we soon find out, is Sydney Prescott. Sydney Prescott lives alone with her father and, and her mother, Maureen Prescott, was murdered before the events of the Scream films. I think and that's a year before. The about events. a year before. Yeah. yeah. And the film starts with the character that Drew Barrymore plays in that famous opening sequence where she's being terrorized on the phone by an unknown assailant who's, you know, quizzing her on scary, chatting her up about scary movies and then quizzing her and then comes in and kills her. Mm hmm. Then we meet all the high school friends, Sydney, her boyfriend, Billy, their friends, Stu, 
Uh, and the character is played by <laughs> Rosa McGowan and other people whose names I can't remember. It's really because the focus is really just Sydney, Billy, and Stu. Sydney, Billy, Stu. Um, yeah, Rose McGowan isn't really like an A character. Uh, the other major character is being Dewey, who is her best friend's brother. And Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox. Yes, she's a reporter who comes and she wrote this whole book about Cotton Weary, who is suspected to be the murderer of Maureen Prescott. Actually, specifically, she wrote a book that argues that Cotton Leary, the guy who has been convicted of the crime for the murder, is not really the murderer. Ah, that he's innocent. And that's the beef between Gail Weathers and Sidney Prescott, right? Because Sidney, in her heart of hearts, believes that uh, Cotton committed this murder. And Gail is saying, "Mm, you're not so sure about that anymore, are you? And then Mm. she gets punched in the face. That's right. Yeah, that was a good drama moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And just like in any good slasher movie, people start dying and it all kind of builds up into this big house party that these teenagers are throwing where people at that party get killed one by one, all leading up to Sydney being the last survivor at the party at Stu's house. And it just so happens that the murderer is her surprise, surprise and spoiler. If you haven't seen it, her boyfriend Mm-hmm. Lemus, which is also named after a character in Psycho. Uh, if you didn't know that, a little fun fact, a little horror movie trivia. Wait, who was and, Loomis? Uh, the the boyfriend. No, who was he in Psycho? The boyfriend. No, oh Loomis, that was the name <laughs> of the boy, of her boyfriend. So the boyfriend is referencing of Scream is referencing the boyfriend in Psycho. Whose boyfriend, Jenny? Marion Cranes, who's played by John Kevin, uh, Gavin. His name is Sam Loomis. Oh, and, okay, okay. And then when she goes to the to the Bates Motel, she types in Mrs. Loomis and stuff. So, okay, I see. Yeah. So Loomis is also reused in the Halloween movies. The Donald Pleasant's character is also named Loomis. Mm, so Loomis yeah. is a uh, a, a popular name. Name. Mm-hmm. They're all like nods to one another. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker are the killers because there's always two killers in these screen movies. And these two are played by Skeet Ulrich and ooh Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard, who talk about performance here. Yeah, Matthew Lillard steals the show in this movie. Yeah, and what was their motive? Well, it turns out that their motive was not only revenge, but horror movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is one of the elements of the movie that made it so unique in 1996. And one of the best selling points, I think, of Scream was that their fascination with the genre and their love for the genre and like kind of, you know, looking at everyone in their lives as just characters in a horror movie was something that people hadn't really done before mm-hmm. and made it kind of really deranged uh, and just like, and oddly, really fun. <laughs> right. Because like you said, the performances at the end are just spectacular. I mean, especially yeah. by Matthew, Matthew Lillard. Because Matthew Lillard, he really plays that unhinged character so well. Uh, where uh, Matthew Lillard's character, Stu, is way more unhinged than Billy. Because Billy, um, even though he's arguing that his motivation as to why he's committing these murders is, you know, because movies made me do it he's using that as an excuse ultimately what he was trying to do was get revenge on sydney because her mom broke up his family 
Yes. That's ultimately uh, Billy Loomis's motive behind this th- these crimes is just good old-fashioned revenge. Yes. Uh, also, we should state that Cotton Leary did not kill Maureen Prescott. Billy yes. Loomis did. Yes. Uh, Cotton and Leary was, was just, just one of those. intricate web. Yeah. Uh, he was just one of those uh, victims of circumstance here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's it, really. You know, Scream kind of sets this thing up and then it, it closes it. But of course, you know, you have a successful film. I mean, this was this pretty much catapulted the the comeback of slasher movies and made horror movies, you know, like number one in the box office again. Like people weren't really seeing horror movies in the early 90s. And then after this, all they wanted were horror movies. And I feel like horror movies have kind of been on top ever since. Well, you know, it's a... It's a great formula for studios, right? Cheap it productions. It is cheap productions. And, and a high, usually a high turnaround. Uh, not just a high turnaround, but like a high uh, profitability rate. Absolutely. Because right? they're so cheap to make. They are, yeah. They don't need a bunch of like big stars in them, mm-hmm. you know, so that like already cut costs right there. And yeah. they usually make stars out of people. True. I mean, usually, I mean, in the 90s, the formula was get hot uh, actors to play teenagers. Yeah. And that was the formula, right? I know what you did last summer. You got Sarah Michelle Geller. You have Freddie Prince Jr. Ryan Phillippe, who was like a god amongst men at his... He still is now. He was a huge star, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jennifer yeah, Love even Hewitt. Like, yeah, and Jennifer Love Hewitt, yeah. And then here you uh, have Nev Campbell, who I think is famous because of Party of Five at this point in her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Courtney Cox of Friends fame, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if David Arquette was famous. I know he's an Arquette. He's been, yeah, but I right? think this is one of his biggest claim to fame for sure. Uh, yeah, but Rose McGowan, also, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, you know? Drew Barrymore. Yeah. It's fucking iconic opening. Um, I will also say that Nev Campbell, the same year she did this, she started in The Craft. So it was a big year for her. And she didn't want to make Scream because she already did like a horror movie and she didn't want to kind of mm, be tied in with the genre. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. yeah. And. Let's be real. Nev Campbell is forever going to be known to this is just forever going to be associated with the Scream franchise, right? She has yet yeah. to turn down a Scream paycheck. Let me just say that much. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because there's all these different final girls in movies. Like and another famous one is the Jamie Lee Curtis character, mm-hmm. Laurie Strode in the Halloween movies. But they're all really different and they all are played very differently by their actors. And I feel like Nev Campbell is just does a great job as Sydney Prescott. Sydney Prescott's kind of like a badass, and she's the one character that you can never ever see dying in a screen movie. Like the final girl from the first Friday the Thirteenth spoiler ends up being murdered in the second Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather Langenkamp's character is in Nightmare. She dies, right? Mm-hmm. So these are characters that they might survive the first film, but when you bring them back, they'll die. But Sydney Prescott will never fucking die. She's like too badass. This is true. And that's like the thing that, I mean, maybe it's an F. Campbell, maybe it's just her character or both, but she's just the ultimate final girl badass in yeah. that sense. Even I though agree. they kind of are trying to make that out of Laurie Strode now. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's- so I think that Nev Campbell can't get away from the Sydney Prescott legacy because Scream spawned all these franchise, uh, spawned a franchise and all these sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scream 2, which was a successful sorry, which was as successful as the first film, at least financially and somewhat critically, pinned her, put her in college. Mm-hmm. And of course, people start dying and getting attacked there. Right. Now, I hadn't rewatched Scream 2 in a while because I saw it oh. last 
I like watched all the screen movies last Halloween and I kind of wanted to go into the new one fresh. Sure. But I kind of had a memory of Dewey being attacked in Scream he, 2. In Scream 2, he is, I feel like in all the screams, he gets like viciously attacked, but he yeah, always survives. He gets stabbed and. Yeah. We yeah. always think he may be dead. Uh, yeah. So in the second scream, he uh, is stabbed by one of the killers. I remember he had like. Uh, He's like, I'm pretty sure he's looking at Gail when it happens. Uh, because yeah, they're, they're, having they're their... like in that classroom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, but he survives, right? I think that's the joke with Dewey, right? He's always getting stabbed and he always survives. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, something he brings up in the new film of how many times he's been stabbed and the damage it's cost him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the poor freaking girl just wants to go to college and have a normal life. But of course, people around her keep dying. But it's like, well, you know. Billy Loomis is dead. Stumacher Stu is dead. Who the hell could it be? Well, spoiler, in Scream 2, surprise, surprise, it's Billy Loomis's mother. I know. What a twist. What a twist, right? <laughs> Who uh, manipulates one of his her fellow classmates, played by Timothy Oliphant, Mickey, mm-hmm. to also help her. So, again, always two killers for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, actually, I think Scream 2 is not terrible. No, Scream like, 2. I actually enjoyed the beginning. Works. Yeah. Yeah. Because they introduced the stab franchise within Scream 2 that right, they turned right. the first movie into a movie in Scream right. 2. And Tori Spelling playing Nev Campbell's character. So in the movie, there's, <laughs> you'll see like clips of her talking about her role as Sydney. It's again, this is a movie. It, it ends up referencing the Scream film. But like as a film, right? Yes. That's why I think mm-hmm. Scream Two works. Uh, I think I, I I like Scream Two. Scream Two is 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 fun. Is good. Uh, yeah. You know, you have uh, uh, who played her boyfriend? It's um, uh, Jerry O'Connell. Oh who yeah, that's right. Was yeah. suspect number one, right? Because well, the boyfriend did the it last boyfriend. time. Yeah. And yeah. you know, she too was also led to believe that it was his boyfriend, but it turned out to be his best friend. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Well, so Scream 2 came out right after Scream 1, right? 1996, Scream, Scream 2, 1997. In 1998, a bunch of bad things happened, okay? Uh, in 1998, a 16-year-old boy with his 14-year-old cousin stabbed his own mother. The 16-year-old stabbed his own mother 45 times, killing her. And it's known as the Scream Murders because the boys claim that they were inspired by the Scream movies and they confessed to needing the money uh, from killing her to purchasing ghost face costumes and a voice changer and, you know, to continue killing. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a defense put on by the lawyers, but okay. (laughs) Well, maybe, but they definitely were into the movie, Uh, which, of course, you can't always blame the movie, but at the same time, there was influence there. Uh, there was allegedly. other allegedly in 1999, 13 year old Ashley Murray was stabbed multiple times before being left for dead by a 14 and 15 year old boy. Um, and they also were wearing they had watched Scream before the attack and they wore ghost face mat- masks. Mm. The big thing that happened, though, was in 1999, Columbine happened mm-hmm. and a lot of people blamed movies like scream because again in the 90s you weren't seeing this kind of violence so mainstream and then scream comes out and it's such a success and it's you know it kind of influences these quote-unquote and well i should put influences in quotation marks copycat murders so of course this affects the 
the franchise significantly when they go to make Scream 3. And because of it, they had to make Scream 3 more of a comedy and less violent because there was just too much going on in the in the world that they couldn't continue to make the movies on the same caliber that they were. Mm-hmm. And it was actually kind of like the perfect time for them to to end the franchise. Uh, and they always said they intended it to be just a trilogy and that was it. Right. So. That was always the intention. And I think Scream 3 was also one of those movies that like, the they had multiple scripts so even the cast themselves supposedly didn't know what the real ending was because there were multiple endings and somehow some way they ended up with like the wackest ending yeah <laughs> yeah well this one wasn't written by uh kevin williamson it was written by Aaron kruger and he shows um, because that ending be that, made yeah. no sense uh i remember do you remember did you did you ever get a chance to see any of the screen films in theaters Yes, Scream Three was the first of the Scream films that I saw in theaters. Save, I was twelve. I th- so. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save, save. So that's, that's the first one that I got to see in theater. Uh, I think I was thirteen. I'm a year older than you, right? Yeah, yeah. You're a year older. Okay, than yeah. Me, so. so yeah, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. So that tracks. I was. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was thirteen. We all went. We were like in eighth grade. We were so excited to see Scream. And at this point, I loved the franchise, and I was just mm-hmm. like, I was so excited to see. It's like, oh, what's gonna happen? And I would remember being let down. I'm just like, this made no sense. Yeah, it was kind of wacky. A half brother (laughs) who shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, and apparently was the reason that Billy Loomis got the motivation to kill Maureen and Sydney because he he videotaped his mother and then showed it to Billy Loomis. Mm -hmm. A little weird. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it takes place in Hollywood, right? Like it takes place on a movie set most of the film. Yeah, the set of Stab, right? Yeah. So, and I remember the only thing I remember from the movie theater is laughing at Parker Posey because I think she's very funny. Parker Posey is, is good though. Parker Posey, she's but great. Yeah, <laughs> the movie, yeah, uh, Scream Three, huge letdown. Which is a scream that had the terrible bangs for for Courtney Cox. I think there was Scream Two. Yeah, I think it was Scream Two. Uh, yeah, but those bangs will forever live in infamy. <laughs> 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 yeah, she'll never let that die. No, there's. I, I don't think you just can't. There's no possible way you could. Um, but I guess turning our attention back to Scream, right? Like the original one. When when you first saw it, right? Like, what did you think of it when you first saw it? Well, when I first saw it, I was really young, mm-hmm. and I was watching other slasher movies. I remember watching. I know what you did last summer, and getting it from Blockbuster Video and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to watch these movies because they were cool. But right. even when I was younger, horror wasn't the genre that I was always gravitating to. So I do remember kind of being scared because I was very young. I must have been only 10 or something. But I do remember liking it more than most of the other ones. And I do think when I got older, I identified the fact that it was a who done it at the mm-hmm. core of it. Um, and that's what I gravitate towards it as an adult is that mm-hmm. it's actually this big murder mystery. Uh, and that most of the films are big murder mysteries. Because, you know, I know what you did last summer. It's definitely that guy they killed somehow. It's not like, oh, is it one of them? No, it's that guy. Oh. You know, in other slasher movies, like, you know that there's a certain person that's after them. Like, you right. know that that uh, the guy from Texas Chainsaw, Leatherface, you know Michael Myers is killing everybody. You know Jason is. But in Scream, it's always one of them, right, right. who's donning the ghost face. And that, I think, is what makes it one of the most unique components of it. So, yeah. So when I first saw it, though, I just, yeah, it scared me, but I still enjoyed it because I wanted to be cool. What Mm -hmm. about you? 
No, yeah, I, I I think the first time I saw it was with my mom because she loves horror movies, and uh, I think it was on pay per view. We had a hot cable box, right? So it would just play on infinite loop, oh, uh, wow. the pay per view thing. But I remember watching it with my mom, and I I loved it. I think a lot of the obviously the meta context of it really went over my head as a kid. But when I first saw this movie, I was like, "Oh, this movie is is cool." And I think part of it was. For me, the idea when, like, it's revealed that not only was it Billy Loomis, but it was also his friend. There were two killers. I mean, what a... My mind was blown. It's just like, oh, my God. There were two killers the whole time. And, uh, Eddie, you and I have talked about this, right? Like, this is probably one of the... At least on first watch as as a young person was, like, the most shocking reveal to me. Eddie, anything you want to chime in? It was literally... I can remember that moment having a paradigm shift of how I perceived horror movies, therefore. And like, like I couldn't imagine two killers until that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this possibility, everything was always just always one psychopath, only one person with this dark, with this darkness and this like need for vengeance for whatever reason. But the, the thing of it being a combination of these two people uh being the killers and i was just like mind blown at that moment watching this movie in the theater it's like two i just kept on saying i remember just saying to my friends two like two can you believe <laughs> two you saw yeah. it in theaters yeah oh wow look at that how was that is that like a big uh movie going experience for you uh yeah um yes because i was as a little kid always into horror movies always inappropriate age watching horror movies um so seeing like the exorcist when i was like 11 when they like it was that wasn't a good idea but um yeah seriously (laughs) me too but uh yeah so that was like that was like yeah mind-blowing and fun fact about uh courtney cox and her bangs (laughs) so those were clip-ons Wow, those bangs were not her real bangs. They were like her real hair. They were clip-ons, and there was supposed, according to her, there was only one set (laughs) of those bangs. Uh huh. And her idea was always to kind of have a new look for each of the movies. Um, but they, what they did was, is they clipped the bangs in a, not in the right spot, on her head. Right. And then they decided to to trim them. Yeah, I mean, created this crazy look. So she. I mean, I'm looking at worst photos. look. She said, "Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think uh, there's just a famous tweet that she that 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 she responded to, which was like, oh, hang on, Courtney Cox Banks tweet, uh, in which it is, if you ever feel like shit, just remember Courtney Cox's hair in Scream Three. It was a Scream Three. I could have sworn it was Scream. Oh, right, Scream Three. She had nicer hair. Uh, Scream Two. She had nicer hair. Uh." Just remember her hair in Scream 3. David Arquette said, I had to take the fall for this. I suggested a Betty Page look. It just didn't work. I take full responsibility. Oh, uh, so David Arquette. What a <laughs> what a hero him. here. <laughs> wow. Getting all uh, of that off of her. They were married <laughs> for 14 nice. years. Wow. Yeah, they were married a long time. I'm still upset that they have broken up. Uh and we'll talk about it, I guess, with Scream, the new one, but I it hurts. Well, we gotta talk about Scream 4. Oh, I never saw Scream 4. Oh. Did you see Scream 4? I did, yeah. Oh. You you watched it for the podcast? 
Uh, no, I, I last year I watched all the Scream movies. Oh. My uh, my girlfriend at the time was super into Scream, and so for horror movie month we watched them all. No, for my due diligence, I tried to see the Scream TV show. Oh, yeah, that. Remake. I think Scream Four might be a little bit more important for for this. I film. think for this film, probably. I mean, the Scream. I'm. I was shocked to learn though that Scream TV. Well, go ahead. Scream Four came out before the Scream TV show. So, tell me about it. So pretty much, you know, it's 15 years since the Woodsboro uh, massacre. And of course, people start dying and, you know, the ghost face reappears. So Sydney Prescott, you know, she wrote, she's like a novelist. She writes self-help books and all this stuff. And she comes back and uh, she actually ends up reconnecting or at least visiting her cousin, played by Joe Roberts. And, and you know, she's dealing with like being dumped with her boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And pretty much it all turns out to be that the new ghost race is da 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 who do you think i said joe roberts because the name of her character is joe roberts it's played by emma roberts it's her she's the oh, ghost face emma roberts she's yeah Sydney's our first cousin is female killer our first female killer well technically because i guess billy's mom but like she i don't think she actually ever killed anyone in the ghost face well yeah but you know charles manson even though he never killed anyone was very much responsible for making people kill like, people okay sure Yes. You know, so <laughs> I don't know why I had to defend uh, Billy Loomis's mother there. But. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either. But, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, she's she, she, what's her motive is pretty much, you know, she's like she's jealous and she wants the fame that Sydney had because she was the sole survivor of being the murders uh, uh, of surviving the murders and stuff. So Scream 4 is interesting but it doesn't, it's not like, oh, wow, we needed this kind of a thing. Right. Because they say, they say that Scream was always supposed to be a trilogy. Uh-huh. But of course, you know, the allure of a new film is never going to turn anyone away. Of course, including Wes Craven himself. Wes Craven himself, Kevin Williamson himself, mm-hmm. everybody back. Uh, and this was like something that people were really excited for. And it just didn't get the attention that they were hoping for. Yeah, it, it it made a profit, but it didn't wow uh, enough yeah. to the point where I think even uh, the Weinstein company, like, right, they were initially, so they were initially planning number four to kick off another trilogy. However, because of its lackluster performance, it kind of put a pause in it, on it. Kevin Williamson himself has been quoted as saying, I'm done with Scream now. Uh, mm. And he he kind of was done with the project after, you know, now it wasn't a flop, right? It, it made money, but it just wasn't a big performer, not as big as they were hoping for it to be. And actually, part of the reason, uh, because of Scream 4 is like kind of, it wasn't a flop, but like because of its lackluster performance is kind of the reason how Scream got developed into a TV show by Viacom for MTV for the first two seasons and then VH1 for the third season. And it kind of reimagines Scream, but instead of a film, it takes a TV show format. I, for the podcast, try to watch a few episodes of this. I didn't care for it. I didn't think it was good. It doesn't take place in uh, in Woodsboro. It takes place at some new town called Lakeview. It does start off, though. You might like this. It it does start off with two lesbians being caught making out and then turning into, like, an internet sensation of bullying uh, in the town, which I I guess kicks off the crime spree. The season, the first season of Scream works as a whodunit, right? Similar to the film, you know, the main character is trying to figure out, like, all right, who 
is committing all these awful murders in town while taking place in a high school. Bella Thorne is in it. I, it. I didn't like it, but the show was successful enough to have three seasons. So who am I to judge? Uh, mm. You know, it was packaged as a, a new production for like, you know, I guess that uh, the Zoomers, right? That generation. I don't yeah. know who's watching MTV though. So like, you, I don't know who, honestly, I don't know who it was for, <laughs> to be quite honest. But yeah, true. It, hey, you know, it, it found three seasons worth of content. And uh, eventually, you know, because of the whole Weinstein debacle, yeah, the rights to Scream fell from the Weinstein company. It ended up going to Spike Glass Media Group. And uh, they are the people who the big films, I think, are like The Sixth Sense, The Happening, and that Footloose remake, right? I put those are some of the movies that they have come up with. And uh, oh as goodness. soon as the rights came on to that company, they greenlit the film and uh, they tapped Kevin Williamson to come back. He didn't want to write, but he did serve as a producer and he promised people that this was not going to be a reboot, right? They were going to continue the franchise. So that's where we started hearing talks about this. And uh, Scream 5 is, is what we got out of it. So Scream 5 is directed by Matt Bettinelli open I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong and Tyler Gillett their big movie is ready or not have you seen this ready or not is the yeah. name of the movie That's the I have name not of the movie. seen it Eddie do you remember ready or not no ready or not is a movie about the young lady who gets married to the rich family and then they play their game. Oh, that's the one I chose for movie night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the movies you picked for movie night. That's those two who directed that film directed this one. Uh, and the people who wrote Scream, the new one, are also the same writing team of the movie Ready or Not. Uh, so basically, my guess is that Spyglass said it's just like, oh, you know what? This movie is successful, it's uh, loved by critics, fans love it. Why don't you guys take over the Scream franchise? And here we are. <laughs> You know, Uh, and this is actually the first movie not to be directed by Wes Craven, the first screen Mm -hmm. film not to be directed by Wes, and obviously because Wes Craven passed away. How long ago did he pass away? You know what, like, was it that long ago? Jeez, I think it might have been. Yeah, I thought it was sooner, uh, like more recent. Uh, But yeah, so um, let me see if there's anything else. Oh, yeah. Interesting facts here. This movie had a budget of 24 million. 2015, he died. Okay. This bu- film had a budget of 24 million, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, its opening weekend, it brought in 30 million. Those are big numbers for a January release because January releases are traditionally known to not do well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was shocked that, like, when we were in theaters, like, we went on a Tuesday and when we came out, like, that theater was almost packed. Yeah, it's selling out. It it kicked Spider-Man off of number one. Mm-hmm. Well, and, one movie had to do, right? Yeah. And like, I guess Scream 5 was the one to do it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, when I went and saw it, it was a pretty massive theater. I also saw it on a Tuesday. But I think I had like 10 other people with me, which at this point, at least in my theater, is like a big theater. Mm. <laughs> That's like practically sold out for me. Um so I th- it's interesting because people are seeing this movie. I wonder if, again, Scream 4 didn't do so bad, but I wonder if it had a, as much of like people just really want to go and see the, this movie as much as they wanted to go see Scream 4. You know I what I mean? Do you think it was, I don't, do you think it was like the mark? There was a lot more marketing here than I remember for Scream 4. 
Yeah. I was getting this movie pitched to me a lot on like YouTube ads, Twitter, uh, not Twitter, uh, TikTok, uh, you know, even Instagram, right? Like I was seeing it a lot to the point where I was just like, oh, I'm kind of, I do want to see this. And maybe the whole appeal of like Scream made people think it was going to be a reboot or something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because they did call it Scream. And this is like in a world where now we have the new Halloween that was Mm -hmm. retconned. Uh, and other horror movies and all. And now, you know, 2011, when Scream 4 came out, they weren't doing the amount of reboots, re- remakes, and revivals that they are now. Right. So I think people are just expecting really, really good remake, reboots, or revivals, and they're going to the theater to see it more. I also remember people weren't that happy about Emma Roberts in Scream 4 for some reason. They were hating on her in that casting. Emma Roberts is so. like easy to hate, though. I think so. And she was like a big name star, which was something that the Scream movies never really had. Oh, you think she's a big name star? Well, like comparatively to like the fact that the first Scream movie made stars out of those actors. What are you talking uh, about? Courtney Cox was already famous from Friends. Yeah, but that was a she wasn't like she was TV famous. Oh, There's a difference. That's true. There was and a difference, was back, difference then. back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. So I, I don't can, know. That to me. All right. And I think the fact that there is a complete lack of famous people other than Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and Courtney uh-huh. Cox in this new one, um, I think also is that just works better for horror movies. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to see big name people that you like know a lot of, like, you know what their fucking house looks like in a horror movie. And sometimes in movies in general. But, because uh, also, like, where the hell is Emma Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> do like, we need where has be, she been do, okay, well you, know. you saw Scream 4 like is there any big takeaways from Scream 4 that I should have known coming into this one because I, I, I was just like I don't really feel like seeing Scream 4 I just like went right into Scream 5 Scream because yeah. based off of the title I just assumed it was going to be like I didn't need to know 4 just based off of the title I alone think this new film references every previous ghost face before it mm-hmm. so like I guess you should know that the last ghost face was her cousin and that uh, I guess the only other thing was that the um, the sheriff that's in this new film was also in Scream 4. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't know Emma Roberts was related to Eric Roberts. Um, yeah. And Julie wait, Roberts, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's her aunt. Oh, mm-hmm. so it's not called nepotism. I know her from the American Horror Story franchise. I don't really know her from anything else. That's why I don't think she's that famous. What do you mean? She's done so many as a... She's a, been a child actress. What? Yes. Oh. I had I never she, seen she her in anything. She did like a Nancy Drew thing. Oh, you're right, actually. We are. We did consider covering a Nancy Drew episode, but we never we followed did. through with that. And she yeah. would have been the one that wasn't... You're right, Eddie. Fine. All right, I guess she does. All right. I wouldn't Dog call her. Dog, Valentine's Day. It's kind of a funny story. The art of getting by. All right. All right. She has she has an IMDb page. Yeah, that that's <laughs> something. <laughs> but yeah, so what's so tell us the story about this new scream, Rolando. Uh, new scream takes. Oh, spoiler alert, guys! I'm really we're gonna get into this, but there I don't think there's any way of getting around this without spoiling it. But yeah, new scream takes place in Woodsboro. Uh, we wake up to find a ethnically ambiguous young girl being tormented by the ghost face. She gets stabbed a lot, but somehow survives. I don't know Good how, but she survives uh, this skinny little thing. And uh, her sister, when she finds out, she immediately goes back to town. And uh, 
she confesses to her sister that this is all her fault because she is bum 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 the illegitimate daughter of Billy Loomis. Now I have issues with this, but we can get into that later. Uh, but I just let's put a pin on that. I do have issues with that Billy Loomis yeah. that plot point there. Anyway, um, and uh, little by little, more and more murders start happening, and uh, obviously the first point of action is for our main character. Sue? Is her name Sue? Sam. 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 Our main character, Sam, is to reach out to uh, Dewey and ask for his help. And Dewey was just like, a hell fucking no. I've been stabbed so many times. Um, your best bet is your boyfriend. He's probably the one who did it. And also look within the friend group. Obviously, it's one of them. And uh, she, you know, Sam is all like, no way. It's not him. Uh, but I'm doing a bad job of giving this review because I'm going by scene by scene here. Uh, but basically, murders start happening again, and what we find out is that whoever is com- committing these murders is murdering characters in this new film who are somehow, some way related to character. Yeah, legacy characters of the original or of the original franchise. So, uh. These characters who are dying, they are all somehow related to one of the characters in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it all culminates at a house party where that's taking place in Billy Loomis. Is it Billy Loomis's or was it Stu's house? Whose house was it? Stu's house. It It was was Stu's house. house. All right. So it all culminates in Stu's house, uh, which was the setting of the original ending for the first Scream. And uh, that's where we find out who the killers are. So again... Stop listening if you don't want the spoilers, but the killers are uh, Sam's boyfriend, played by um, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid, thank you. Megan, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's son. From the boys. From the boys. And uh, Amber, who was Sam's sister's best friend who hated Sam, but I don't know. We're finding out that she was also a murderer. And the two met on a message board on Reddit. And the lesson here is don't trust people on Reddit. Yeah. (laughs) And be careful with very devoted fans. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is that these were fans and they wanted. It's about that. It's about toxic fan bases. Yes. The motive was because the Stab franchise was getting worse and worse. Yeah. And they needed something real to happen to influence the future of the Stab movies to make sure that it would be a great franchise again exactly so they were trying to commit these murders and they were trying to make it look that like sydney who returned obviously because sydney just can't keep away from these she heard she heard murder was warned stay away what does she do she's just like no i'm running into the thick of it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know even sydney with a gun turns out is no match for ghost face killer you know seriously yeah uh, I do love though that she came back and she it, it did have like kind of the same thing with Laurie Strode where it's like a badass and it's just like let's just get the guns out mm. I don't know is she fake is this bait is she real and if not I'm gonna shoot her in the fucking face you know I love that that version of Sydney Prescott I, I do too all about it but my main issue here is just like they couldn't pick a lane with her because when Amber comes out of the house for the first time Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's like, "Help me, help me, the killer!" You know, she pulls out the gun. She's like, "What do you think?" Nah, it's definitely a trap. She shoots, yeah. But this girl shoots like a fucking star trooper uh, from Star Wars because she shot like three times and missed all three. I'm just like, girl, how long have you had with that gun? I know you've been practicing on that with that gun since Scream Three, because in Scream Three we find out that she had a gun. 
Yeah, this is you true. You know, so it's just like, you are a terrible shot, girl. Yeah, there are so many times, too, where, like, things just seemed to be going it for Sydney and, and she'd take it and it just wasn't the case. <laughs> she kept getting like caught and it was just like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of this is kind of embarrassing for Sydney and Gail. Uh, uh, yeah, Gail, poor Gail. I mean, Stu, uh, Dewey gets stabbed all the time. Gail gets shot in every movie. Yes, and she usually does. in the same spot. Like she can't. There's no the reason she has no kids has to be because she's been shot in the womb so many times <laughs> in this franchise. Yeah. So so this like in every movie, it's a classic whodunit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but how much of it do you feel like was a successful whodunit? Because I think that what makes them good is whether or not the whodunit aspect is successful. Did you at all foresee the killers? Okay, I called it from the get-go that it was going to be Amber. I did. Yeah, you know what? I had feelings about Amber, too. And I also, from like the moment we saw the boyfriend, I was like, oh, he's a killer. He doesn't know oh, the stab movies? That's bullshit. The boyfriend, I was... So the boyfriend's the one that threw me off because I'm like, no, nah, that'd be too similar, right? And then yeah. I think... So props here to Jack Quaid's performance here because he actually kept performing it in a way to keep throwing me off. Specifically, I think my favorite movie in the film comes when Nev Campbell, Sydney, is, uh, you know, going to each door and just shooting it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, she shoots him. And she's like, I gave you a warning. What were you doing? He's like, you were just shooting. What am I going to do? And I was just, there was, it, it was a point of comedy that I think it felt the most, like the original scream, it was. I was laughing hysterically at, at this whole situation. Uh, mind you, there's murders happening. Uh, so yeah, no, Jack Quaid. I think he gave a strong performance, and he kept throwing me off because I sometimes suspected him, sometimes didn't, sometimes did, sometimes didn't. I think by the end, when the reveal happens, I feel like I should have realized it as soon as the hospital scene happened because he yes, there was he a, was there not was, killed. He wasn't killed, right? Like Ghostface had the opportunity to kill him, but didn't. Was it because he wasn't related to the original franchise? Maybe, but we come to find out it's because he was in on it. But that should have been yeah. the first clue. Uh, I also do have issues with the hospital scene. So, Yeah, well, you know, sometimes uh, these films don't hold up to intense scrutiny, I should say. But at the same time, like, in theory, if it works, that's enough for me because it is also just like a horror movie. Are you talking, wait, when you're saying the, the who behind it like the the how they did it how mm -hmm. did they get there you know what time did they get there that kind of stuff oh uh, you well, know I, I mean for me i was mostly pissed off that like dewey died in a very stupid way oh you think so yeah because dewey should not have gone back he knows better he should have known better than to go back first of all dewey also should have known better to not uh what's it called to not shoot the head right from the get-go dewey would have Mm, yeah. Dewey would have shot from the head right from the get-go after he, after the ghost face is like, you know, thrown up against the wall. Dewey would not have gone to the elevator and gone back to die. That was, it felt a little contrived. I was a little upset about it. I didn't mind that Dewey dies. It's just how they went about it that it was kind of like, I don't know. It felt cheap. Mm, interesting. Okay. I didn't feel that way. Um, but I also was like, but is he dead this time? Well, like, yeah, I, they, they did fake us out. because They made it pretty clear that he could not survive that. I mean, they did. But also, I was expect I was half expecting when, like, they were rolling out the stretcher, he was going to come out. But it's just like, oh, my God. Uh, 
uh, Gale and Dewey are reunited again, again. Uh, but no, he he died. We saw his name tag in the in the body bag. I guess, yeah. Although a freaking yeah, future, you see Dewey. You see the name tag, but you don't see the body in the body bag. So I technically, get, right, future fine. films could use that because he was in a hospital too. So they could just like put him into a room and save him. I, you know what? This is this is true. fine. I, you're this right. This is horror right. movie logic I'm applying here. You, so. You're not you're not wrong on this. Uh, <laughs> but man. Watching the chemistry though between I do want to point this out the chemistry between David Arquette and Courtney Cox is still pretty strong mm-hmm. even after this divorce because I was so heartbroken after watching this movie I'm just like why are they not together like how could these two lovebirds just not make it work I was so yeah, sad yeah no the real love that they have for one another is plays through the their characters for sure I, I actually thought that the best scene like the scene I felt the like real was the scene between them two when you know when when they first get reunited yeah when they get reunited and they're talking about how their marriage ended Mm -hmm. him leaving you know in the middle of the night you know because he couldn't he felt like he couldn't hack it um in her life Mm. and i was like wow this is really this is a really good moment here like i really i'm feeling for this couple here you know i'm feeling and i just want to get an idea how big is Woodsboro. Oh, that beats. How yeah. get big is Woodsboro? For the cops not to get there in time when the sheriff, the chief, right? The chief or the sheriff? Sheriff. Yeah. Sheriff calls, there's something happening in my house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how big is it that they leave that um, that Dewey and the Sam. oldest and Sam leave in the car in the day but get to the hospital when it's like nighttime? Or more to right. the point, yeah. And then also, how is it possible that a hospital is empty? Yeah. That's- okay? Because even if you're covering... So, uh, having them travel that time, so they mu- that town must be big enough that hospital would not be empty. That yeah. floor would not be so I, ridiculous. I think I you know. guys missed something, though, because they said they were going to put her on a private uh, floor so that okay. there wasn't going to be anyone but... The guy who was guarding her. That's why when she saw oh, that the guy that who was then. guarding I, her yes, wasn't still, there. Still, still, there would be people walking. I just feel like, uh, yeah, this, this girl was. Is, she was stabbed. Was There's that, no way that she's gonna be that, on on a private floor, floor by herself. Yeah, the floor was big. Was I just want to also point out how hilarious it is that this little thing keeps getting attacked multiple times. But like by the end, she's still walking around like no big deal with her crutches. I'm just like, girl, you literally were just stabbed like in the back. Yes, yes. Like, she's, you she, should be dead. She's like, the reverse <laughs> Drew Barrymore character. Yeah. Right. Because you stab her, stab her. She's still not dying. Okay, but but what I do love is the fight back that I did see in this in this movie. Like, uh, it's like you, you may stab me once, you may stab me twice, but I'm still be kicking your ass to the very end. Yeah, the girls the fought end. back in this one so, a lot. Yeah. Well, actually, the one thing that I noticed about this movie was how many people survived, right? So yeah. Tara survives, Sam survives, the twins survive. The meeker twins. Oh, the twins. Yeah, they. I actually liked the twins. I thought they were. I liked them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they were good, and so <laughs> okay. They they definitely provided the whole. I didn't really care for them. Uh, really, I think, that, oh, I think were... their purpose was to make the audience think that they were the killers because they were just such horror movie fans. But I, you knew that they would never be the killers, and that they were just also comic relief, and it was fine. I um, they were too comic whole, relief. That whole uh, the basement that Mindy scene? does with the recall. 
speech and uh-huh. saying that Scream was a requel. Do you think that this new Scream is just that? Is it a requel? Did they sell you on that idea? Actually, I think they did because what we found out in this movie, and you can tell me this is true, but was Scream 4 really heavily focused on Nev Campbell? Was she like the main yeah, character? Yeah, okay. she came back. Yeah. In this one, Nev Campbell is not the main character. This Stan is the main character. So this is, I think, the first, this then becomes the first Scream film where our main protagonist is not Sidney Prescott. And to, uh, at least in my opinion, I think it shows that, okay, you can make a movie that's Scream that is not Sidney Prescott uh, because of her connection to Billy Loomis. I'm, again, I'm not crazy about her connection with Billy Loomis, but what we're seeing is just like, yeah, it works as a prequel, as a requel because they set up, they basically set up. It's just like we can now live in a world where it's not just Sidney Prescott mm. as a main character. Interesting. And I guess it would have made it more interesting if Sam indeed was the killer. They were like, oh, well, you know, in terms of horror movie franchise, you have to be the killer. Did anyone at any point think Sam was the killer? No, no, I don't think I do. Yeah, I didn't it. either. I don't think Vanessa uh, from In the Heights was going to be the killer. Exa- yes, Vanessa <laughs> from In the Heights. Uh, so I guess we should talk about Sam and her relationship with her father, who, by the way, that is indeed Skeet Ulrich coming back to play Billy Loomis. Yes, just heavily CGI'd. Um, heavily CGI'd. Oh, I very, mean, very basically, heavily. they just took a picture of him when he was a kid. That's yeah. it. Because <laughs> he's like- a grown-ass man, still kind <laughs> yeah. of a hottie. But oh, yeah, he's no, a grown-ass man on Riverdale. Yeah, Ski Ulrich is, is... And seeing him on Riverdale, he could still definitely get it because <laughs> he's, he's still very, very handsome. The only character ever seen who became, like, the main criminal in Riverdale becomes the sheriff of Riverdale. I mean, what a character arc yeah. for that guy. But, he, yeah, so he reprised his role as, uh, as Billy Loomis, and it was interesting to see. I wasn't crazy about... So, all right, here's my beef. I don't know... It makes no sense that she is that she is the illegitimate son because, like, mathematically, it, I don't think it makes sense, right? Because she's what twenty three, right? She's like five years older than this girl who is now eight. I think she's like sixteen, seventeen. So she's like twenty one, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, though, it's just like Billy. The implication here is that Billy was just banging random chicks while he was tr- plotting murdering Sydney. It just doesn't. I don't think he had the time. What? No. He was busy killing people. He what find, time do you have to also... Time. He was... Time. Him was and Stu were busy plotting like a, a murder. Not You'll just a murder, right? Because they also murdered Sydney's mom. So like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't... When did he have the time to also knock up some chick? You have time. I mean, also, time. all it really takes is one time. Yeah. No, because according to the diary, she was madly in love with him. They had a relationship. It just didn't. Did, I, it didn't line up. According to Sam in the diaries, like she was, it was like a relationship. It wasn't like a, just a one night thing. I don't know. I think I could see they're having. I mean, he's not killing people every second of his day, and plus, there's a second killer, so he's not killing them single handedly. Yeah. So, in other words, he and, was able to delegate with his partner. Yeah, and so that the plan so, is just like, yeah. all right, you're gonna you go kill. Yeah. I have some punani to get into tonight. Like, yeah, is that exactly. how they divided and the work? Yeah. I'm fake in love with uh, with Sydney Prescott, but I'm really in love with the carpenter mom. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. 
I had issues with that. I'm just like, I that, mean, yeah, I, don't, I kind of, I mean, to tell you the truth, he's still a high school student. Up, <laughs> when I came, when it came up, I rolled my eyes. I was like, really? You know? And like, I, I was convinced it was a different actor at first because his face was just so perfect. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, you know, like who, what guy are they getting to play this? Um, I don't know. I mean, it didn't really add anything for me in terms of the Sam character. Does it make her more to, like, oh, well, I'm the daughter of a serial killer, so I must have the urge to kill or something. Like, yeah. that wasn't really explored. It was trending It was just this Dexter. guilty conscience that came in, like, three scenes. Well, not... I mean, at the end, we saw... We saw uh, Billy Loomis give her That's the, the only time that we actually really saw that play into the plot where she brutally murders him. But it's, like, satisfying to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's also, like, kind of weird that they took this, like, villain and uh, they and made him almost into, like, a hero. Not a hero. Her spirit guide, I guess. Her spirit guide. I don't know. Which it, was kind of weird. I thought it was weird. I think they were treading a Dexter line storyline here a little bit almost. And I was just like, this is... Silly because it's so Billy Loomis and it's just like what like like Billy Loomis gave like his nod of approval at the end of the movie to to her that she saw the reflection of just like what what am I supposed to take away from this because like she's what is happening it was was a little confusing at the end Uh, at the same time too I'm not I'm not seeing this that this is the spirit or the ghost of her father guiding her in her life that's right I'm just thinking this is a manifestation of her own personality or consciousness um, representing her dad and what she thinks her dad is and also dealing with the dark side that she has created about herself. Like saying like, if I'm from a serial killer, what does it say about me and who I am or what or potentially can become? Um, but, but this is the play here. It's what I found interesting was he said this earlier you know, she's trying to figure out how to survive this and this representation of her father in her head is saying use use, use this, the force use no use this <laughs> darkness that you feel you have against against the killer. Yeah. I you know you're gonna have mm. to use this and and that opportunity when she gets to see more I'm I'm putting in quotes here, air quotes here, but um but get to see more of the situation by tapping into her darkness and that rage. And it was very satisfying that, that kill because it was the follow through that I always scream at. It's like, if you're going to bring, if you're going to bring the killer down, follow through, you need a second hit. You need to make sure that he, that person is not going to get up. And she made sure. Yeah, absolutely sure. And that satisfying moment when he looks at her and, and she looks at him and she slashes his throat. It's like, it's like taking her power back. Yeah. Too. You know, it was interesting because he was like, what about my ending? And then what did she say to that? Don't, don't fuck with a serial killer's daughter. That's, you know what I really was hoping she was going to say was I like my ending better. Wouldn't that have been a better line? Oh, that would have been a better line then. <laughs> but than just that. like during the Billy Loomis thing and she had to say that or something. When she, yeah, when she said is like, don't fuck with a serial killer's daughter was like the cringiest line in the whole movie. I was just like, yeah, Kevin, I didn't really, Kevin Williamson would never. He just would never. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think my line is definitely better. But also, again, like I, I think that they established that that's what they were going for. I didn't really feel like they fell through with that. 
um, because there was just so much going on and they had to establish so many other things that him kind of showing up once or twice in her rearview mirror just, I don't know, it wasn't enough for me to really feel like this character had this huge thing going on. And then I'm, I'm wondering if this is something that, if there is a continuation that will play out too. You know, like her, her maybe taking on some weird Dexter uh, role of of another series of killers and her having to hunt down the killer and her father yeah. being that <laughs> the guiding spirit yeah her yeah. dark passenger um i hope that doesn't have the route to go the show goes because if there's a spinoff that i want to see it's i want to see sydney prescott and gail weathers solve crime together at their age <laughs> that's what i want to yeah. see to be honest because again their chemistry in the house in the last act again another one that's just electrifying like you think they would have lost it by now, but I think their their banter while they're you know being held hostage by these two murderers that are younger than them, like they're just like they feel so exhausted, and it, I loved it. It yes, was just such yes. a it was such a funny dynamic between the two because like they're just like even when <laughs> I think when uh, they're gonna do the final kill. Um, it's just like, do you want to do this? I'll do it. Fine. I'll say it. Just yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you have this one. Yeah, and it was nice because they kind of had that like uh, combative relationship in the other films. Mm-hmm. So it's like you see the like the twenty plus years that they have between them, and they're just able to put all of that aside them. And like Gail's like, oh, this is all my fault because I wrote that book. And Sydney's like, no, it's not. It's fucking Billy's fault for killing people. Um, or I thought she was gonna be like, no, it was my mom's fault for being a horror or something. But it's like, you know, it's like (laughs) them having all that, you know, (laughs) in their relationship, just kind of like, this is what fucking matters now. And we're going to, we're going to stick together and we're going to get this shit done. We're going to kill some assholes. Yeah. That was nice too. It was, um, so yeah, but no, I hope that, I don't know. I don't know where the franchise goes from here, to be honest. It's, uh, an interesting it's interesting because, like I said, this is the first franchise where Sydney is not the main character. She's not the yes. star. And, Wes Craven uh, did not direct it. Wes Craven didn't uh, direct this it. This is the first for for a few reasons. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other main thing that we should also realize is just, like, critically, like, fans and critics like this movie. Yeah. Right? They do, yes. So I'm kind of mixed on it. I kind of, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Actually, I liked it a lot didn't love it though uh but but it it was it's it was a solid performance for the first film not directed by Wes Craven I think and uh I think the meta the the meta factor here in this film worked a lot better than what we saw like a couple weeks ago with the matrix right because absolutely this yeah because this franchise was kind of built on that meta aspect and here you know I I that whole spiel about requels mm-hmm. it's just like yeah that's literally what our podcast has been about you know the only yeah. thing is we didn't have a name for it so i guess our new name is remakes reboots revivals and requels and requels yeah <laughs> and retcons <laughs> you know i thought that the you know i mentioned that i read that book the final girl support group and the one i feel like either they they're friends or they read each other's works or something because they were so similar in the fact that they were really based on toxic fandoms and how these people who become so obsessed to the point where the copycat murders happen just like in real fucking life they always happen in these movies and in these stories that people are so obsessed with the culture 
of these killings and these horror movies that they want to become part of that legacy themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Like the, a key line was "Let them die in anonymity." Anonymity. Anonymity, because what these people fucking want is the legacy. You know, yeah. they they want to mm -hmm. be yeah. like they want to die forever. young and yeah, like they want to be fucking Achilles, and, but murderous Achilles. Well, actually, Achilles was a huge murderer. So, <laughs> but, he but was it's in a war. It's, it's still murder. I mean, a noble murder. No, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm not <laughs> pro war. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just devil's advocate on that one. But so that to me was the more the most interesting thing because it wasn't necessarily I'm jealous of my cousin Sydney. I'm getting revenge for Billy or my family. No, I want to be fucking famous and I want these new movies to be the subsequent stat movies to be really, really fucking good. I want to save the franchise. So I thought that meta element was the best and most interesting thing about this new scream. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, part of me was like, Oh my gosh, it's almost a little too meta. And like her, you know, like sitting on the couch, watching him sitting on the couch being like, look behind you. Yeah. Like there were times where it was a little like rolling of the eye, but overall I actually, I did really enjoy it. I think it's all these films that we're watching are so hyper aware. That's like the fucking trend these days, you know, like we're constantly watching things that are, you know, either talking about their, their past versions or they're just, they're just self-aware and it's getting to be the point where it's not effective anymore. But scream was one of the ones that I was like, okay, this was effective because at least they realized that like the toxic fandom is something that we might have to address here because it is, a, it is a bit much. I mean, the toxic fandom is what, doesn't a lot of it gives sometimes a lot of bad press to movies that don't deserve it we actually named an episode toxic fandom right we did. when we did uh the ghostbusters uh because the vitriol that came out of that fan base for this movie that it was not a good movie but like it didn't deserve the vitriol that these women had to go through on the release of that film yeah uh same thing with like star wars Star Wars is another one that gets that a lot. Uh, the new one, right? Like the new, the new, the new trilogy. Like the absolute hate that this uh, new cast got because it's a female main character and uh, a black uh, sidekick. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, like all the critiques that this girl was giving on requels is criticizing that toxic culture around you know that fan base. It's just like it's mine. Don't mess with it. Don't touch it. And it's just like you don't. But it's not. It's not yours. You don't have yeah. ownership over these things. Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And that, that might be my my reason that this was maybe in a way needed. Of course, again, we never needed a new Scream movie. Actually, you know, if this first Scream film, like, never got any sequels, I'm sure it would be an even bigger film in our, like, minds and our collective than mm -hmm. it is. But nonetheless... I actually think that this isn't a franchise that has ruined itself with the subsequent sequels. And I do think that each sequel has at least something unique that it's bringing to the table. And this one was way more interesting than Scream 4, I'll say that. And okay. I definitely did enjoy, at least in those ways where it went, where it was like, actually, no, these are just diehard fans who want to save the Stab franchise. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that new commentary that it gave us, it actually was something that, I'm happy was addressed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Even now, 
after recording this podcast, I still don't know where I stand on like whether or not this was needed because mm. maybe part of me is also, like I said, I didn't love it. I didn't need it. I, I, I will attest to this. My favorite remake of Scream is and always will forever be Scary Movie. Scary Movie. It's such a good, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, talk about like, that is a perfect remake. Uh, but I guess, yeah. I never saw Scream 4, so I can't speak to that one, but maybe, I, last one I did see was Scream 3. That movie was such a letdown that I guess this one, you kind of, if, if Scream 4 didn't exist, like I would need something to like kind of like, you know, clean that palette for me. And like yeah. this movie would have done that, right? Mm-hmm. For me. Well, so. you know, it's so interesting though, because I feel like more people are seeing this new Scream than they are seeing Scream 4. And if you are uh, active on our social media, you know that we conduct polls sometimes. And we did two polls for the new Scream. Do you remember what they were, Rolando? No. Okay, well, I got them. So <laughs> we first we asked, are you going to see the new Scream? And 75% people said yes. Oh, then okay. we asked, did you want a fifth Scream film? And 56 people said no. 56%, sorry, said no. Okay. So more people did not want this film. But they're still going to go see it. But even more people are still going to go see it. Isn't that interesting? Oh, makes sense. I mean, look, Scream, that's something you'd always expect from Scream, right? And that's to see, like, beautiful people getting chased down with knives. Yeah. And it will always <laughs> deliver on that. I don't think, you know, you go to a Scream film, like, at the very least, you'll get that. And uh, maybe yeah. on top of it, you'll get a fun performance from Nev Campbell here. Maybe here. I don't know. I don't know. Here, it wasn't a Nev Campbell movie, but I kind of think you don't necessarily need a Nev Campbell character anymore. But I, I shouldn't speak too fast because Nev Campbell and producers have already said, it's just like, yeah, we're interested in continuing the franchise. I'm just like, well, no shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, obvious, Money talks and money the money has spoken, you, you yeah, know? Yeah. The money uh, place it is the number one movie in America. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously they're going to go back to it. I don't, I, I'm curious. Like I said, m- my heart of hearts, what I would really want is just a spinoff with just Gail and Sydney, just solving crime around the country. Yeah. You or know? at least putting like, uh, you know, following people. They're like, Oh, that woman's being abused. Let's put a tracker on her car. Let's follow her. And let's come into this house. Guns blazing. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I think that would be great. I think that would be great too. That's the pitch, and you know what? Make it a uh, Paramount Plus original, and boom. boom! I just I just saved you, Paramount Plus. You're welcome. Yeah, Gail and Sydney saved the day. There you go. What a title! Hell That's yeah. the I'm pitch. There. Well, what do you guys think? Would you watch Gail and Sydney save the day? Have you seen the new Scream? Are you a fan of Scream? I mean, if you've listened this far and we've spoiled the shit out of it, I hope you are. So mm-hmm. ways that you can let us know your thoughts, please email us, remakes, reboots, and revivals at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at remakes, reboots, revivals. We are on Twitter at remakes podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash remakes, reboots, revivals. We're active on YouTube. Also search for remakes, reboots, revivals, and you'll find all of our episodes and some videos there and uh last but not least we also have a hotline that you can call and let your voice be heard and that hotline number is 862-248-2326 that's 862-248-2326 and uh, if you want to listen to all our previous episodes if you missed out and you can't find them on your library you can visit our website www.remakesrebootsrevivals.com uh yeah because 
I think someone had asked, like, oh, I can't find this one episode. It's like, oh, yeah, Apple can only hold so many. So uh, you got to go, go on to uh, onto our website. There you go. Yeah, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling that great. So I apologize for not being my, my normal spunky self or however you would define my characteristics that I normally am. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> thanks for bearing with me while I wasn't <laughs> feeling that great this week. Uh, my, our dear audience. Uh, yeah, so I guess without any further ado, stay, stay unoriginal. unoriginal.